You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue our coverage of Survivor Winners at War season 40. Episode 2 is done and dusted. Another great episode with lots to chat about. And always exciting to bring a first-time guest to this program, particularly when they are a winner of Survivor, Mr. Chris Underwood, Season 38, Edge of Extinction. Great chat here with Chris. You're going to hear his thoughts on what he has thought, funnily enough, about this season so far. Talk a little bit about his time on his season and also learn some fun things about what he's up to in his next chapter of his life. So without further ado, here is our Survivor Winners at War Episode 2 recap with a winner of Season 38, Edge of Extinction, Mr. Chris Underwood. Getting very much into some exciting stuff happening on Survivor Winners at War at the moment. Two episodes in, plenty to cover, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to welcome our next guest here to the Oz Network. First time guest not only on the Oz Network, in terms of any of our Survivor coverage in the past, even back in our Survivor Oz days, and it's always exciting to be able to welcome a first time guest, particularly when they are a winner of Survivor. He's the winner of Season 38, Edge of Extinction. His name is Mr. Chris Underwood. Chris, welcome to the Oz Network. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure, mate, to have you here. As I said, it's always exciting to have a, a first-time guest and uh, tick off another winner off our list. It's, been, it's actually been, I can't even remember the last time we had a first-time winner on the show. I'm thinking it might have Gosh, being Ben back in Heroes of Healers Hustlers, it's been it's been quite some time. We haven't covered many of the newer winners. I, I'm honoured to have you off this list now, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Added me to a list of uh, incredibly talented people, and you know, I mean, it's it's fitting. Like you, you, you reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, I feel like you'd have a good uh, insight on the season." And it's kind of cool because I feel like you know how in a in a court of law, right? There's two attorneys, and then they bring in the expert, you know, like the crime scene expert, <laughs> yeah. or like the, you know, the the expert. I was like, oh yeah, this is the pattern of the gut, whatever. And for me, it's like I'm the edge of extinction expert. I guess I've I've been through it. I've lived there on that island. So um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to to get into get into this with you as a as a fan of the show. I love talking about it. I mean, it's I, I grew up watching it, so a lot like a lot of uh, very much like many people listening to this podcast. You know, I'm just a I'm an all around fan, so pleasure to be here. And it's it's also interesting for yourself too that you you're such a, a fresh winner. I mean, this time twelve months ago, your season had just started, so you would have been witnessing all of everything that you went through there too. So I can imagine for yourself, this is this is still so fresh. It it really it really is. I mean, not I, we're still under a year. Like I wasn't even you know our our finale was May, golly May fourteenth. So we're you know it's still fresh in in my mind and and seeing the edge of extinction again like play out this season um, is really exciting for sure. I, the question that I think everybody, we got lots of listener questions that we'll get to through this interview, but the question, of course, on everybody's lips, I'm sure you've been asked it a thousand and one times, I'm going to ask you a thousand and two times, why aren't you out there? Why aren't you on this season, Chris? <laughs> Good question. Um, I, you know, I, I think Survivor is, um, for all those who have played, know exactly what I'm talking about, any, you know, in any country, whether it's Australian Survivor or American Survivor, whatever, it's such 
a mentally, physically, emotionally taxing game. And to do well, you have to have the timing. I think there's anyone that could play and they would say yes and because it's such an incredible opportunity. But if you're if you're not right, I mean if you if you're feeling a shadow of a doubt that you're not quite ready, you're not going to perform. Like it's it is such a I got the dogs barking. It's all right, bring them um, in. Sorry, I was, I was like additional voices. Yeah, <laughs> you know, got a little golden doodle puppy, so he gets a little excited. But um, yeah, it's it's such a taxing game. If you're right and you don't have that confidence going into it, it's going to be really, really difficult to perform and to do well and and to win. I mean, we're all out there to win. So I, I think, just to be quite frank with you, the timing um, was would have been very, very difficult coming off of the win from from 38 and then flying right into um right back to Fiji I mean you know literally within 24 hours of of winning and it's just you know I I at the time of winning I was had been married for a total of 21 days <laughs> you know like newlywed and so uh a lot of discussion um you know goes into it any you know in a position that that I was in, but um, really believe that that timing is is key. And um, for me, if anything, it was uh, it was a timing issue. But uh, who goes to say? You know, there's I'm definitely I am very much open to the idea of playing again. But you know, for this season with all these winners, it's like I said, I'm such a fan. I'm so excited to see all these. These old school players, these new school legends. I mean, it's it's great. Like it, it really is. So no, no, uh, no regrets on my end. So they did ask you though. They did actually ask you to be on it. Yeah, there. I mean, I think everyone has their their feelers at the time. There was only thirty eight uh, potential winners, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm sure everyone got a call, and some said yes, and some said no, and you know, I was just one of those people that said, "Hey, timing's not not right." Which it must suck a lot of that because I mean I can definitely understand the timing aspect, as, and particularly with the the newlywed thing. I'm sure that you know your wife is well. Come on, yep, you've won. <laughs> Twenty one days to be married. It'd be nice to maybe go on a honeymoon and not watch you on TV with this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's yeah. it obviously as a fan though to have that opportunity because I mean that just must have been such a difficult decision to kind of finally say like like hey guys, timing wise, no, sorry, next time. Yeah, yeah, it takes a lot. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a bold move, but it's, it's, it's the right one from a, you know, just from a human perspective. It's, um, you know, when you're in, when you're, when you're <laughs> within forty eight hours of saying your vows, and then get a call, you know, and and have to kind of go right back out before you um, have really gotten over your first bout of it. It's just, you know, it's tough, and I'm sure. A plenty of other people in my position would have said, "You're crazy." You know, I'm, I'd love to go. It. Let's 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 go at it. Let's do it. Um, but uh, I, I learned a lot about myself in my journey on being on Survivor, and uh, a big part of it was when to when to to put the you know pedal to the metal and and when to put the brakes on certain plans and certain you know dreams and goals. And now I'm a part of a a bigger team, <laughs> you know, with my my wife. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's kind of coming full circle, but it's it's definitely something where in the future, if I get a call 
you know and i honestly i've been streaming uh i've been getting into australian survivor right? as well right i have a good a buddy of mine who um who who uh, sent me a you know sent me a link and so i've been able to stream it and uh and it's it's different you know it's it's longer it's it seems like it's a lot more brutal you know yeah it's um it's definitely gotten a huge amount of attention on this side of the world since they sort of brought it back a few years ago and it's it's really been good because the Australian version sort of has been there and thereabouts for about 18 years. They've tried two previous versions that didn't exactly take off, and now this one sort of has. And it has found quite a fan base over in the States. There are a lot of um, you know prominent Survivor writers who argue that the Australian version has now eclipsed the American version, and it's got a pretty strong fan base. And I don't know if you're aware, Russell Hance even got to uh, play a season a couple of years ago too. He didn't last that long, but... Uh, you never know. They might give you the phone call to come and play Australian Survivor. They've done it once before. Who knows? <laughs> whoever's whoever's listening who makes those calls, that would be amazing. <laughs> I'm serious. I I would love to play Australian Survivor. Like it's just it's different. It'd be a completely different challenge. I mean, you know, even culturally, I've been thinking of him like how would a you know what what's the cultural differences and all that stuff. You know, just playing that game and and you know making alliances. And I would, man, that would be awesome. So whoever's out there listening, if you need a, if you need a, a, a an American Survivor winner to come on, the Australian Survivor, I'm your guy. Call up Chris Underwood. There you go, Channel Ten. There you go. You've got someone perfectly cast for, <laughs> for the next season. You've got it locked in. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's actually it was really interesting when Russell was was cast because yeah, I think a lot of people were thinking how would that work the different game styles and a lot of people are hoping that maybe given the success Australian Survivor has had that this could lead to an Australia versus US season because CBS actually owns the network in Australia that airs Australian Survivor so there may be not be that less of a chance it could happen particularly I mean they've opened it up to Canadians now so why not open it up a little bit further on the other side of the world. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Could be very interesting to see how they do it. Winners at War, though, Chris, how have you found it? Two episodes in, how, how have you been enjoying watching your fellow winners out there battling for the title again? I've, I've loved it. The, the, first, the first week, the first episode, when all of those winners lined up across the, the, the beach there, and you have just some absolute legends. I mean, you've got Tyson and Rob and Tony and Parvati and Sandra playing again. And, and even the old school players, you got Yule and you've got, you know, Amber and, and Sophie, there's just so many names and that knowing that there's, it almost seems like a, a, maybe there's other there's there's going to be players from this season that play again but it almost seems like a farewell tour you know like some of these players have been involved in the survivor community for so long i mean ethan oh my gosh like literally he played and won what 18 years ago and to see him back on the screen to be able to play again it, it just seems like for a lot of these players um you know it's it may be the last time we ever see them on our tv screens again and so just from a fan's perspective and and the entertainment side of things, it's it was really really exciting, and uh, it gave me you know butterflies in my stomach. You know, I I have <laughs> I, I've grown so close to the Survivor community, and to to see a lot of people that I now consider friends, you know, out there has been really special. 
So I've I've loved it. I it's going to be a really really good season. There's some incredibly talented players out there. Was there much communication with any of of the winners after your win? Did any of them reach out to you to sort of say congratulations, welcome to the club? Yes, yeah, there were there were a few um, winners that reached out to me for sure. Um, there's you know we've kind of given each you know each sequential winner uh, a little bit of of um, advice how to handle the attention how to handle the the internet <laughs> <You> know, because <laughs> yes. it's very it's very polarizing uh, depending on the the style of play depending on the winner and so yeah I, I was able to get um, some some really good time with with Wendell beforehand right you know there was the he was actually at the survivor finale that I was at and we we were able to talk a little bit and and um I've had some really good conversations with Nick and and even Michelle in the past so it's been really it's been really incredible and then did you do the same with Tommy when Tommy won were you kind of like a couple of months ago like hey go hey mate welcome to the new club yeah. <laughs> yep yep we went to a, a survivor christmas party and, um, you know, I kind of had, had gotten the feelers, you know, the, the, the very inside, the close knit group. And, and I just gave them some advice and was just like, man, listen, do not worry about what people, it, there's going to be so many people analyzing your play and how you played and talking about your season. And if you let them, you know, if, if you let the noise in it, it could, it could really affect you. And, uh, so you really have to be comfortable and confident in who you are and the people that are super close to you. I mean, you're, you're going to get validation from your fiance, your girlfriend at the time, your fiance and your family and your friends and and the ones that really care. And and the internet's always going to have their opinions. So just be mindful of that, you know, in the age of technology that, uh, you can go down a rabbit hole and you're either seeking out the, all the people that are telling you that they love you, or you're going to be seeking out all the people and trying to defend your case against the people that tell you that you're a terrible winner, you know? So even for me, it's been a journey along that. So it was just speaking from my own experiences and, and uh, what, you know, what are some of the, the things that someone, I wish someone would have told me, you know, going through it and, and all that stuff. So I really don't yeah. know if there would have been anyone though, that could have prepared you the most because given the circumstances around your win we'd never seen that before so I, I can't imagine there would have been a winner that really would have faced some of the backlash that that you did so I think kind of when it came to telling that to Tommy you would have been in that perfect position because yeah you, you obviously through your win had a lot of discussion around everything and how you won of course yeah I lived it there was so much there was so much um I guess a difference of opinion. There was so much noise right after my season, and there were mo- majority of the people were just like, "That was you. You had the gutsiest, boldest, craziest move in the history of the show. That was that was insane." But your whole season was a bust, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's crazy." You know, to think about all the time that we spent out there, and all the the things we learned, and the journeys that we that we kind of had to go through on, on the edge of extinction. And, and there was, I mean, you can go back to a number of players and their, their take on their experiences out there. And it definitely affected a lot, the cast a lot more than what was shown on television. And, you know, we, we can't, we can't fault the producers. We can't fault the time, you know, the, the, the amount of time there is to, to follow 
that many stories and really get into the the meat of what why the edge of extinction was was so important and and uh you know it it, it is what it is but there was there was definitely times when I was considering like man this really stinks to to get this much um pushback and and uh and, and at the same time get so many so many people reaching out to me telling me it was the the greatest finale ever it's just very polarizing and so kind of like sifting through that was 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 a personal you know it, it was part of my personal journey which now i mean i'm totally happy with it and and uh my wife and i are were you know have a really incredible and amazing foundation for the next you know <laughs> for the rest of our lives for our family and and there's nothing that can take anything away from that so it's it all in all totally good i do not care whether i was <laughs> whether i was voted the best winner in the history of survivor or the worst one which i actually have been on a list, I'm the worst winner. <laughs> well, well I, I will be flat out honest with you, Chris. I, I recently did a ranking list, and I had you at 38th. But as I said, I said it's not Chris's fault that Chris won the game that was presented to him. But if I had to rank it based on days played and the twist, I would put him at the end. But as I said, I said it's not Chris's yep. fault. That was my that was my reasoning. So just to, I'll be flat out honest with you that I did that. But I'm going to tell you <laughs> that that was the reason. You're gonna say, I'm going to say. <laughs> Good. At the end of this podcast, you know, you say, yeah, I believed in you all the way. And then yeah. on Google, Ben's take on survival. What the heck, Ben? <laughs> I like Come this on, guy. Man. God, no, don't hear that interview. <laughs> Fuck you. He ruined it. Yeah. No, it's it's totally good, man. Totally good. But, but at the end of the day, though, again, like I, I, I like your sort of the fact that here you are saying, look, I won. I've got this foundation. It set me up. And like, that's the thing. Fuck the haters. You're a millionaire. Screw them. You won. <laughs> yeah. We, I, I, even on the show, I think I, I, I believe it. Yeah. The last episode I was talking with Gavin, it's just like, Gavin, what, what's some of your dreams? What are your goals? And, and, uh, he told me some of his and I said, man, my, my dreams to sail around the world, you know, and, and take my, my family and my wife on an adventure of a lifetime. And, and, and after, you know, winning that, that is a, that's a possibility. And I've been in professional sales. I was in, you know, I was in door-to-door sales for years, uh, from basically from getting out of college to being on Survivor, and and uh, having that platform, being able to to say, hey, let's let's just see this thing out, let's live this alternative lifestyle off the grid, a lot more sustainable, and and do it from you know from the the lens of a of a sailboat on a on a catamaran, it it wouldn't have been possible without uh, you know without Survivor, and so. That's that's kind of the plan right now. Is is the next season of my life is uh, is looking a lot like a, a you know a, a sailor's life for me, and and it's been taking it's taken a lot of time to get my wife on the you know on the same page. But we've we've made some compromises, and uh, and she's okay with it before kids. So we're we're actually in the process of looking at uh, catamaran sailboats to to. To live on and 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 take to the Caribbean for the you know spring and summer and then sail it up the East Coast. Fantastic! It's it's really almost living that survival lifestyle still, isn't it? Kind of just you know living off you know not much and just going on and just enjoying the beautiful world and seeing nature and yeah, living that lifestyle. Yeah, I couldn't get enough of of abandoned islands and <laughs> and cooking fish over fire, so I'm just going to make it my, <laughs> my life choice. You're addicted. You're you're in Fiji. You're like, hey, I'm a minute, I like the... this. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Which, I mean, brings... With Edge of Extinction, though, it's obviously returned this season. Uh, were you... I mean, two-part question. You obviously had no idea that this was a twist. So when you were voted out, you thought, well, that was it, until you clearly saw the option when you were going down the path. What was your take on seeing it return? And do you think it would have been different? Because this time around, they know it's there. So therefore, it's straight away, they go there. Whereas your season, at least in the you know the first few episodes, you didn't know about it. Does that, do you think, make you play differently if you're aware you've potentially got that second chance? Whereas you, I'm sure when you got voted out, you thought, well, that's it, I'm done. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's... That's a big, a big change from our season to this season of Survivor. Our season really felt like we were the guinea pigs of the Edge of Extinction. They really didn't know what it was. They didn't know what it was capable of. For the record, I am a fan of of the Edge of Extinction because selfishly, I like seeing all these players continue to to get a you know a shot at it. Now, the interesting thing is when you know that you're getting to go to the edge of extinction after getting voted out, it will affect how you play the game in terms of the social bonds that you create, the relationships that you build, the blind sides that you pull off. It, it kind of is, it's going to change the, the dynamics of how people play in-game, knowing that they're sending people out of game, but they still know that the people that are out of the game are going to directly influence their future in the game, right? Like that, that kind of, that idea that it's not, wow, where did I get this advantage from? It's in my pocket. Like Aubrey's, you know, got an advantage. She had no idea where she got it from. It was from the edge of extinction. Now everyone that gets voted out has a say in the, the outcome of the game. And so not only are they going to be jury members at the end, but they're also dictating the, you know, the gameplay with, with advantages and with fire tokens. And it really does change how survivor is played and it makes it more complex. I really believe that because the Edge of Extinction exists, it is adding two or three more layers of complexity that a winner has to sift through. And that, I mean, gosh, talk about strategizing. It, it, it's, it, almost adds, it almost adds too much. Like, if you're to think who's going to win this game, I mean, it's such a crapshoot now. Yeah. Because the Edge of Extinction has so much power. Like, I really... Not the fact that someone's going to get back in the game, but the fact that it's they know that how they're getting sent there. They know that there are fire tokens that they can bargain for, like a you know survivor auction or survivor economy, and they know that the people are going to get back who are going to get back in have so much information and knowledge. Right? Um, it really does add two to three more layers of complexity. It makes it exponentially more difficult to win. And I think it's merited that it's going to be a $2 million prize this year because it really is going to be that much harder with the influence of the players in-game and the players out-of-game. That must have been one of those moments when you saw that first episode and go, oh, shit, maybe I should have just moved a few things. It's $2 million this time around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was one of those conversations yeah. that, uh, you know, my wife and I had. <laughs> I'm not going to give details on that conversation, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was had, it was had. But it's also interesting too, with, 
you sort of mentioned your season was the guinea pigs. You were the guinea pigs. And now that there's that precedent that somebody can actually return from Edge of Extinction and win. I mean, previous twists similar to this, Redemption Island, the Outcast twists, no one had ever come back and won before. Aussie came close. Tina came close, but no one ever got to the final tribal to win. But you did, and you won. So therefore, you people like Amber, Natalie, and Danny right now are probably thinking, well, hey, I've got a real shot of doing this because Chris did it. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting take. Uh, I, I really think that someone from the edge of extinction will not win this game because... Because I won. They do not want someone who got voted out to win the game. The only I, I feel like the only way that someone could win is if one had a strong game up until the point they got voted out. I mean, that's my biggest, uh, the biggest critique of my game is that I only had eight days in actual gameplay before getting blindsided and spending the rest of my time on the edge. Now, after I got back in, I mean, those are the, that's the story of two different games, right? It's just completely different, but the people, if there is someone that wins, it's going to have to, they're going to have to have a very strong game prior to getting voted out. And if they do earn the right to get back in, have got to have one or two people in their alliance from before that will help them get through the next couple votes. If not, they're going to get voted out. And they also, if, if that's not the case, they're going to have to win out in immunity challenges. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think that that may be the only way someone from the edge of extinction wins is they have to win out in immunity if they get back in, whether it's getting back in at seven, getting back in at eight. We don't even know if it's going to, we don't even know if the edge of extinction is going to last the whole 28 days yet. They may cut it at merge. Like we don't, we don't know. But the, the big thing for, for my game is I knew I was going to lose if I won out. I had to do everything perfect when I got back in the game, including losing immunity challenges to build trust, to the, establish the fact that I do have a social game that I could play with people and not have to win, and uh, and and forcing idols and and having idols played for me, and and then finally winning the final immunity challenge. But it, if someone gets back in, they really are going to have their work cut out for them. And I think the only way to get to the final three is if they win out on every immunity challenge. And it's also, I think, too, on that, given that these are all winners and, yeah, there might be that level of if somebody comes back from edge that they, as you said, unless they played some sort of stellar gameplay going into that point, that they might not want to, I guess, acknowledge the fact that, hey, you were voted out. I don't want to give this to you because, you know, these are winners. They they, they think differently to what people would have done in, on your season, which, you know, makes it this twist a little bit different second time around. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And it's yep. it's the thing that is like really interesting though, I guess, as I said before, like they know this time around. So like this episode this week when the very beginning Rob straight away is, is given the, the fire token and he immediately is, you know, oh, shit, Amber's obviously gone. It could be Sandra. But clearly, you know, it's, it's going to be Amber. The thing I found interesting about this episode and, and how, you know, Rob's still not getting targeted. We'll talk about that and how well Rob's playing. But... 
I found it interesting that that didn't seem to come up more from their tribe, that, hey, now that Amber's on Edge of Extinction, we should put Rob there, because is Rob not more dangerous with Amber on Edge of Extinction? Because I feel he's got more to play for now, whereas if they're both on Edge of Extinction, then you kind of can't really do anything about it, and they have to battle each other off. Whereas now, do you feel Rob has more to play for, that his wife's on Edge of Extinction? I do think that Rob has more to play for. It was uh, definitely, I think, a, a, a shot to his pride. I'll put it that way, that, that his wife got voted out second you know, in the game. And he really wanted, I, I, I believe that he wanted her to live out that dream because he's played before, he's been out there before, and he really wanted her to have that chance to prove herself again. And, and uh, the fact that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, it didn't materialize for her that affected him and will continue to affect him. I think he's going to play a much more aggressive game knowing that his wife's out. And that may, you know, that may be to his benefit. But at the same time, I just can't see him going far because everyone knows how he plays. They're going to use him as a shield for as long as they can until someone else starts pulling ahead and that everyone agrees consensus that Rob needs to go. They, I, I really believe that they're the, the Marianos will, <laughs> will be together on the edge of extinction. And I don't think Rob has a shot at winning this game. I mean, he's just too, he's too well known. Is that, I mean, on this, they're obviously all returning players, but the difference with these ones is someone like Rob, as you said, everyone knows how he plays. He's got that reputation. So does someone like Parvati. These are the, the bigger upper echelon winners who everyone knows about. You obviously are on a season with the returning players too. So you had Kelly and David on your tribe initially. Is, is there that level from people where, on paper for a fan, for me to be a Monday morning quarterback, I can easily say, vote him out. What are you doing? Like, it's so easy. Get rid of them. But is there that kind of sense of, awe and kind of like oh wow it's this person and you mainly want to work with them just for a little bit and that's what maybe people are doing a bit with rob and poverty and why they're not being targeted like we all think they should be absolutely absolutely there the the game of survivor is incredibly nuanced i mean it is so nuanced and it is very very important the order in which you vote strong players out that is very very important and there are several different layers or i'm sorry not layers but but uh time frames in which you want to vote out strong social players strong physical players weak physical players weak social players the 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 game kind of runs in a in a you know, in an arc, and you don't want to take out the the big threats early. You want to keep them in a little bit. You same goes for you know someone we've we've the name the term goat has been thrown around a lot in the last five seasons. You don't want to get rid of them too soon, but you also don't want them to go too far. And so there's so many different different paths that that can a player can take and it changes vote by vote i mean you really the the key to being a survivor winner is to being adapt is being adaptable and if you need a poverty or a rob 
in your alliance for three votes or four votes. That's just what that that is a smart play, but you have to get them out before they can start wreaking havoc. And unfortunately, like I said, because these players are so well known and are so devious and and mischievous and and kind of you know can can really I mean effectively manipulate people. Everyone's aware of that, so they kind of have to 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 come get on the same page. When is the time? to vote out these players, not are we going to vote out these players? That obviously is, that's, that's already written on the, you know, in the script. Like these guys, they're going to get voted out. They're going to go, they have to go, right? Everyone has that understanding, but it's just a matter of when. And I think that is the big key and it's going to change for each player, how long they want these big threats in the game versus getting them out. Cause we saw that a lot this week with, kind of those layers that you're talking about with say Robin Poverty and then sort of on one side you've kind of got Adam and, and Denise and even Ben sort of there kind of just playing almost the middle game kind of going look we're, we're aware that these guys are threats but we're not going to go after them because you know Adam said like I don't want to piss off Boston Rob and yet unfortunately for Danny uh, you know she's feeling left out she's going okay well what's going on here clearly I'm on the outs shit let's target Poverty and in successive weeks, she's gone, Rob, no, okay, oh, poverty, no, okay, and then clearly that's put her on, on the outs there. So it is those layers, isn't it, of, of, I guess, biding your time and working out when it is appropriate. And, and unfortunately for Danny, she tried it, and unfortunately she's now on edge of extinction. Yeah, yeah, it didn't it didn't work for her. Um, I mean, at the same time, though, right? She got <laughs> the same the same week I did. You know, yeah. the the third boot. That's why I'm hopeful, um, Chris. I, she was my, my winner's pick. That's why I'm hopeful that she's still in with a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she and in similar ways, she never experienced what it was like to not be at the forefront of a vote out. Right? She'd never been on the other side of that. How do people? react to me if my name is being thrown out how are people responding to me and that's the perspective of someone who's played the game and been voted out versus played the game and won i have fortunately i mean i have both i have the feeling of winning and also the feeling of getting blindsided pretty i mean pretty handily it was really well it was really well orchestrated my my vote out between you know david and and rick and war dog and thinking that it was going to be Wendy, but then the blind side would be Kelly, but then the second smoke screen would actually be everyone voting for me. And to not see that, uh, yeah, Danny kind of shot herself in the foot because she didn't align herself with anyone really in a, in a way that was uh, effective or, or in a way where she really built uh, complete trust. And she even said in the, she even said in the episode, I, I haven't had a conversation with one supposed to listen working together like well yeah if you're not having that conversation with poverty who else are you also not having those conversations with across the board right and so if you alienate yourself and don't dig into these relationships it can come back to bite you and that's what happened for her she she played the middle ground too much and because of that her old school alliance voted her out and her new school alliance couldn't trust her which is fascinating to watch this old school, new school divide. And I, I would love to know, do you think you would have found... I mean, it's tricky to obviously ask this question without being there, but do you feel you would have had that 
almost mentality or thought process if you're there on a tribe with these newer school people playing similar to how you do and then you're up against a, a Danny and a, and a Parvati and a Rob, people who don't know how to play in this newer version like you're used to. Yeah, it it is... It is... Shock- I mean, Survivor is a, is a social experiment, but it is it is very shocking how similar it is to the 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 tribe mentality and the us versus them mindset for for survival and the fact that you can see a group of players that are out of the game a little bit and and you know didn't have idols and they they it was before the internet and those play i mean they have a a commonality that naturally allows them to empathize with each other right and when you're building alliances you got to understand like certain personalities will lean in on certain personalities because it what's it's what makes them feel safe and i mean you look at yule and sophie they're together because they're cerebral players and they understand that and it's it's easy common ground the old school players it's easy common ground to say, hey, guys, we got to stick together. We've been out of this game for too long. It's easy for the new school players to say, hey, we, you know, we've played with idols. This game is fast. We know that these guys are huge threats. We watched them on TV when we were growing up. we got to stick together. And so I, I have a feeling like you know, if, if I were to be on that island, I would align myself with some of the, the new school players and, and build a – uh, a really thick, uh, really thick uh, alliance or, or power block of four or five players from the 30s or the late 20s, right? And not, you know, not letting the the old school players kind of take control of the game as they are. It, they are at least on paper, right? I mean, the, it, there's really been no outright kind of audacious gameplay from any of the players from the newer seasons it's all been big bold you know confident kind of cocky uh you know opinions and voices that have been controlling the game and so i think the tides are about to change but it 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 makes a lot of sense how the tribe dynamics have been split up yeah and i completely agree with that because you think about any of the winners from the 30s and They've kind of just been taking a bit of a back seat and kind of just observing, haven't they? I mean, you know, we didn't really see anything from yep. Nick and Wendell this episode. Ben's kind of a bit in the thick of things, but kind of he's just having to forcefully play that way. Michelle has a bit of a soundbite here and there. Adam's kind of, you know, doing his thing. Sarah, we only saw a little bit with her with Tony this week. Um, you know, Jeremy as well, clearly on the bit of the out. So it has been very fascinating watching the newer school players that a lot of people are probably thinking, well, how are they going to be taking control because they're newer? But it really has sort of been the, the old schoolers that have really taken the focus on this game so far. Yeah, it, it almost seems like they have something to prove more so than the new school players because they're back and they've been gone for so long and they're ready to just get after it and and, and, and show out. And, and so we'll see. I, I really, I, it'd be... It'd be tough to, to to say, but if if I were a betting man, I, I'd have to say that a new school player is going to win because the old school is going to kind of um, they're they're going to dissolve, they're going to you know just fall apart or or switch or flip. Um, but I think the numbers are just going to go more towards the younger players. Yeah, it's it's fascinating having seen three episodes now, really just seeing how it's switching. I mean, clearly my winner's pick again, <laughs> unless she pulls you, uh, is, is gone. But um, yeah, it's 
it's just interesting watching some of these players come out. Like, and it's also I don't know about you. Do you are you a edit reader? Do you kind of try and read like, oh, this person's getting you know enough of a confessional every now and then, even though they're not necessarily in the story, to try and analyze the win, or are you sort of more about the gameplay? <laughs> no, I'm not. A, I I think that's a, a bunch of bullshit that that uh, you can you can find out a winner based on the number of confessionals they receive. I, I think they really, they love, they love personalities and whoever's the biggest personality is going to get the, the biggest edit, you know, just from, <laughs> look at me as a perfect example, you know, yes. I, I had, Touché. You know, yes. I, no one, no one had any idea that I was there. I mean, I literally played, I was under the radar so hard. It was almost like the, <laughs> It was like the the usual suspects, you know, coming out the end, you know, you know, uh, Kaiser Sozin. I was like that that guy, you know, that no one knew really his his gameplay or his motives, like until the very last episode. And I mean, even like Sarah, right, Sarah Lucina, you know, she didn't get that much screen time. And and there's a number of players that uh, that only towards the last two three episodes you kind of get a feeling. But right now there's no way to tell who won based on who's, you know, who's in front of the camera. If that was the case, then Wendy would have been the winner. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That would have been a, yeah, that would have been interesting. (laughs) But it's, it's fascinating. I think kind of just seeing the dynamic and, and clearly, you know, on, on one side, we've, we've got so much happening on, was it Saleh? I can, I'm terrible at pronouncing things, Chris, so I'm going to butcher that anyway. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it's Saleh. Probably the closest I've ever gotten to correctly pronouncing a tribe, but um, because they're, they're the ones who have now gone to tribal twice, and so we're seeing a lot more of that dynamic. But are you, are you thinking that this shift is going to come soon then and that, that they're going to try and turn it against Rob at some point? Because, I mean, the guy, again, he's kind of marching around a bit almost like a godfather at the moment. You've got everybody to empty their bags out at Tribal to show for an idol. It's, it's crazy. But, I mean, yeah. surely they're, they're going to be, you know, taking a stand against him very soon. Yeah, yep, for sure. I mean, he's playing He's he's playing his the game he knows how to play, and it's it's a game of of intimidation and it's it's i mean he is he's like the mafia boss so it's it's not it's not an effective strategy to win if everyone knows what you're doing it's only effective if you have a ton of gullible players who are just ogling over you and and you know want want to be your your best friend and and your buddy buddy but no one wants to be that they're they're all out out there for themselves and and uh and i i think yeah, I I think that was dumb. I really do. It, it just it it puts a sour taste in your mouth. You know, it's kind of the the bully of the the room, and so you're you have to be clever, right? You have to be be a little creative to stick it to the bully. But I I think they're going to be able to do that. They're the only thing that I can see be an issue is certain players in the middle that are smart like Parvati or Tony or Sandra knowing that people have are gunning for Rob they can flip the narrative pretty quickly and um and, and it's it it's a strategy that works for a few votes but sometimes it, it like I said it just it does come back to bite you so you got to play 
when when the strong players get voted out is is super critical to every individual player's path to to the end. What what's your take on Ben? Ben got a lot of criticism in the first week because a lot of people were sort of speaking out against him in these sort of flip-flopping ways and dropping secrets here and there, but I found him fascinating this week because clearly he called out Danny for basically all but admitting there was an old school versus new school alliance and then tribal council, he really did kind of stand up and sort of had that bit of a debate with Boston Rob, which I found was very very fascinating. I mean, how do you think Ben's playing at the moment? Oh, Ben. I think that episode one, Ben did really well because he kind of, it's it's a little counterintuitive, but someone who plays this, I don't know what's going on, gullible game is, it's actually kind of a smart strategy. I mean, when you're when you're playing almost your, it's called dummying up, right? If you're dummying up a little bit, it's kind of, it works because people don't really take you as a threat. Now, if you're doing it too much or you're being too much of a wild card, people will catch on. And I think that was a big difference between the first episode and the second episode for Ben is he played it. uh, He played the wild card, kind of the, the shake, the guy who's going to shake things up a little too hard. And what I believed was someone who may have isolated himself because when you play that, that two, that, that personality type or that strategy is too strongly, you lose trust on both sides. No one really wants to tell you anything. And if you're a loose cannon, you're going to, people will say, well, if he's a loose cannon with us, and but he's telling us these things that this other tribe or this other alliance said, then he's got to be doing the same thing with them. And so playing that middle is a pretty tough. It's a pretty tough spot. I mean, all the seasons that I've seen of Survivor, anyone who plays the middle card uh, loses. They just they can't they can't go that far because they've alienated themselves and they're not part of that we mentality or that tribe mentality like I said before where there's a strong voting block. I think he could get in trouble unless the new school players don't don't care and and just band together based on their, you know, their style and and their age and and the time frame in which they played the game. But if he can't pull it out, he's going to go He's going to go home probably pre-merge. It did look almost at that tribal, though, that when all the whispering was happening, it kind of almost looked like they were about to change the vote up and Ben was in trouble, but clearly it ended up being a unanimous vote for Danny. Do you think that was the right move then to still take out Danny, or would you have targeted Ben at that point? Um, If I were were an old-school player, player i would have i would have definitely taken out ben still i mean the only the only thing that that maybe ethan the only two people that would have benefited from ben saying i think would have been ethan and rob from the that group of players that ethan rob poverty and danny but now they're like I said. Now their numbers are, you know, they're they're lower than the the new school players. Jeremy, Michelle, Adam, Ben. That's four right there, and we know that Denise is going to vote with 
we know that Denise is going to vote with with Adam. I mean, she really hasn't been approached by, or we haven't seen it, any sort of alliance with her and Rob, Ethan, or or um, or Parvati. So I, I don't know. I, I I think that yeah, I, I think that Ben staying in the game is is good for the new school players, but they really regardless of what Danny was saying, they, they could have mended that and and taken out Ben. Um, but, you know, it's Survivor. You never know at the end of the day when it comes down to it. They play that edit really well. You're like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Yeah. And we, we have no idea what the actual what the actual conversations were right before Final Tribal. Very true. So, And I did read a stat, I believe, during the week that Denise has now attended 17 tribal councils and survived every single one of them. So crazy stat for Denise. I mean, she's only, I think, in both seasons she's played, only once has she not gone to tribal council, and that was what, the uh, the second tribal of the last episode. So that's an insane stat. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy she's a bad it really one. is it's true she she's a she's so good though i mean she really is if she can play this under the radar game and and have uh be non-threatening and and have these little you know mini alliances it she she's one of my top players. Mm. I mean, she really is. She's one of my top players. I agree. Yeah, no, I absolutely love Denise. And I love kind of this Adam dynamic kind of in that very first episode, like, you can be my Malcolm. Uh, so I kind of, I like that because that was such a great little duo on the Philippines. So yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that they go deep. And Adam was, Adam was fascinating too because Adam is like just this fan who happened to win Survivor and he's just completely fanboying out there still. I mean, he doesn't know how to put his torch in a hole still and just little things like that. And Adam's just yeah. Adam's very entertaining to watch this season. I feel as well. Yes, for sure. He's a great he's a great guy too. I've I've had uh, a lot of interactions with him over the last year, and I really really like the guy. He's such a super solid dude. Yeah. Uh, on I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about uh, on on the other side of things with Dakar because you know clearly they won, and we sort of just got a few nice fun scenes. We had Yule bread fruit finding thing in Tony's ladder, which I don't know if I've ever seen something as great as everyone's survive. I mean, he's wow. a guy, you're talking about like, doesn't know how to play any difference. He's legitimately going, I need to occupy my mind. Otherwise I'm going to find idols. So I'm just, I'm just going to build a ladder. And he's like nearly killing himself. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's such good television. It's so good. He's so crazy. Yeah. It really is. It's amazing. I, and everyone's like, I just loved, I loved Tyson's take on. Yeah. He's just like, you know, <laughs> is ladder, was ladder included in the, in the contract? We, signed. <laughs> we all signed waivers. We're going to get this guy meta back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so good. But the thing is also too, I, I appreciate with Tony is that, we get this key scene with him and Sarah forming Cops Are Us again, which could either go either way because, you know, Tony's here trying to say like, oh, no, I'm going to be honest this time. And Sarah's like, well, hang on a minute. This didn't really play out too well for me last time, so I'm a bit sceptical here. It's just, it's fast. Tony's such a fascinating player because we saw in Game Changers, he really went into it. I'm not going to win. I'm just going to be completely crazy. And he was. He was voted out second. This time around, though, he's he's actually taking a step back. He's legitimately saying... I'm going to be a bit smarter about this and just be calm at the beginning. And he's not only providing ladder entertainment, but he seems to be in a fairly solid position on his tribe. Doesn't seem like that he's really in that much danger. 
Yeah, if, if he can play that that cops are us alliance subtly, it can work. But it's hard. It is really hard to play a to build an alliance or to play a game in which you only check in with your alliance member when no one else is watching. It, it's tough. Because you start second-guessing, you start doubting, you realize that, hey, what's in it for him? What's in it for me? Is this person telling me the truth? Are they not? They can't, they can't come out and say that they are working together because everyone, like Sarah said, everyone thinks that they already are, right? Um, it, just from the, the experiences they've had on playing together this is their third season together and so it's gonna be tough i i think he's better off not working with sarah but if he does and they can be uh you know the the messenger birds to each other kind of the 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 whispers viserys's whispers right um little birds then then that might work but it's gonna be tough for them to pull together a power move if if they if they that alliance comes to light because people on this season we've already seen it play out they're so cautious and hesitant of players that have that common ground from previous seasons or from previous outings like the poker alliance or the marriage of robin amber it's going to be very very tricky so i i think tony's better off playing with players that are uh, he doesn't have experience with and ratting out the players that he does, maybe playing that two-sided game, but it, it, it'll be interesting to see if that works out. I, I'm not thinking it is. Well, it was interesting, actually, speaking of kind of, you know, switching things up a little bit. Of course, we had the, the two idols found this episode, sort of the two halves of the idols, and, and with Kim finding the idol and then clearly having to give a second half to another player, she chose Sophie to give that to, and... Sophie confessional was kind of like, I'm like the worst player you could give it to. You shouldn't give it to me. But I, I don't really know if Kim had much of an option, did she? Because, I mean, she did. who else could she? She definitely couldn't give it to Tyson. I mean, she was advocating for this in Tribal last week, saying, like, we're not together. I'm telling you now we're not together. So she can't give it to him. She's not really in tight with anyone else. She's playing from the bottom, as she said. So, yeah, I'm not too sure who else Kim really could have given it to. Yeah, I don't know. She's a very interesting player. I, I've yet to figure out what she's, you know, what her MO is or, or how she's going to pull this thing out. If she plays in the middle, I mean, if anyone does it and she, like I said before, it's hard to win, but she could go pretty far if she is playing that middle ground. The 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 important thing for her is to to recognize, and she had said it a little bit before, but to recognize how people perceive her not how she perceives herself and the people that perceive her as a strong social player she may almost have to be just uh, against her natural character she may just have to be complete just complete bitch you know just a (laughs) just a complete just major ah just i don't care about anyone whatever start (laughs) start causing chaos because she do but any because she's literally the sweetest person and just seeing how she's playing and she's in shock that she's on the bottom and, and it's, she's tearing up. She's emotional about it. You know, like you can just tell she's such a genuinely nice person. Uh, she may have to play a devious game to get farther because 
she, like you said, she's already placed trust in, in Sophie, and we already see Sophie playing that game. I mean, she's a little mischievous for sure. Mm. So, yeah, we'll no, see. It's going to be because Kim is just such a fascinating person. I agree with you completely. And, you know, played such a dominant victory when she won in one world. And so to kind of see it flipped on her edge, and like, it's kind of the parallels with Danny, because like, not that Danny was as dominant, definitely not as Kim, but as Danny was saying, like, I'm not used to being in this position and kind of Danny unfortunately fumbled. Whereas Kim, she's kind of almost just taken a breath, hasn't she? And gone, okay, well, here I am. I found an idol. What am I going to do? Like, she's not panicking. She's not kind of, you know, scrambling as much as Danny unfortunately did. So yeah, I, I'm really going to be fascinated to see how Kim can do what she can do from, from this position. Because I think if anybody can, it is Kim because she's a very smart player. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. We will see. We will see. Do you like this whole idol idea, though, with the two parts? Because we had uh, Denise find it over on the other side, ended up giving it to Adam. Ben was there. I like to sort of... Denise is like, should we give it to Parvati? Adam's like, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty funny. I was like, what is she thinking? You know, that's terrible. <laughs> But uh, I, I, yeah, I like the idea of the, the, the idols that you have to share with someone else. Again, it's just another layer of complexity. What does it mean to have trust? What does trust mean? And if you give it to the right person, that could be a game-changing move for both of you. If you give it to the wrong person, it will blow up in your face. And we may see that happen with, with Sophie and Kim. But the 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 really again it, it just goes back to the the whole point of this season is is how many different layers of complexity there are to get to the end and what does it look like to play with an idol of two halves in which you're forced to tell someone else about it when the whole point of finding an idol is to keep it to yourself and not tell anyone what what changes in the dynamics of that because We've seen time and time again when someone says, hey, I have an idol, don't tell anyone, someone else is going to tell someone. But if it's if it's two halves and maybe there's agreed upon, this is our idol together, we already know that it exists and I have to give this half to you, it's not effective if you don't give it back, then potentially that could – it causes the stakes to be raised a little bit for both players to keep their mouths shut or – for both players to set the other one up saying, Hey, this person has an idol or have an idol. And that could lead to their vote out. So it's just an added layer. I I, I love it. It makes the game so much harder for those players out there. and, And it's, it's very interesting to watch. And we've also got that too with fire tokens and we had the um you know, the additional sort of Natalie gave the option to Jeremy for the token where he's now able to leave a tribal council, uh, not obviously be able to cast a vote, but he can't be voted out. And the other op- the interesting thing I thought with the fire tokens this week was Danny gave hers to Denise. And I don't even know if we'd really seen those two in cahoots at all. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about why she might have given that to uh Denise at the end there. Yeah, I think it's just because, yeah, I, I really don't know why she gave it to Denise. Maybe she just, you know, liked Denise or thought Denise was a good, because we never saw, we never really saw her and Denise interact with each other. And the only thing I can think of, again, Denise is an old school player. She's not one of the players that was a part of that main little alliance that got Danny, eventually got Danny voted out. So it, it's that us versus them mentality. 
I think. Um, but I just it would even with the fire tokens, I I don't understand how if someone's a real fan of the game, how they don't enjoy or appreciate not the fact that someone gets voted out because it's easy to it, it is like it's easy to blind someone if you blindside someone if you have the numbers it is easy but from the the depth of the gameplay in terms of of a game crazy is it that someone that you that you either had a part in voting out or that you were aligned with from several votes earlier could be a difference maker in your future in the game. It just elevates the social gameplay so much because it's so easy to lie to someone's face and smile and then have a knife behind your back and then never see them again. Like traditional Survivor is a social game, but that's why we all love it. It's like, oh, there's so much social nuances and stuff. But holy shit, if you have a player that you are responsible for voting out, not only do they get to they get to the end and are the is the person that votes for the eventual winner, but also are communicating with players, your adversaries in the game based on how you treated them or giving advantages to other players based on how they were treated, you really have to think about how you're playing socially for 40 days. Like it is so much more complicated than just blindsiding someone. Yeah. And I'm I'm just really interested to see that part play out because one it's just it elevates the social game and it elevates the things outside of your control. Can you adapt when things completely outside of your control when you have no idea that Jeremy has been given a, a fire token and now can get can literally leave tribal council early because of his relationship that he built with someone on day one or day two, holy crap. Like that is, that's fascinating how much deeper it has become. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. It really, really is. And yeah, I think kind of even the stuff we saw on edge of extinction, um, you know, with sort of the searching for the, uh, the advantage there when Natalie found it in the well and just hunting around and just, yeah, it's it's it is very unique and very layered to how how it is played, and particularly with them all being winners again, it's kind of it's adding that extra complexity to it. We've got some. Um, we'll get into some listener questions to close things out just in just a second here, Chris. But one thing what we we like to do on each of our episodes, we like to give I guess a review of the the episode that we've watched this week, and our review tier system. We have a three tier system where if you loved the episode, you're going to buy it. If you thought it was okay, middle of the road, you would rent it. And if you thought it was shit, you didn't want to ever watch it again, you would trash it, you would bin it, that's it, done. So I'm going to ask you, the episode that we saw this week of Survivor, what what is your take? Are we going to bin it, are we going to rent it, or are we going to buy it? Uh, I'm renting. I'm going, I'm going Amazon Prime. <laughs> rent this. Why the heck am I paying five dollars for a video i'm gonna get for 24 hours like i i'm renting it but i'm also like i just think that it was kind of silly some of the gameplay like it wasn't very well thought out and and i was a little like i said a little disappointed in in ben spilling all that at the end of final tribal i'm a little disappointed at rob's gameplay forcing the hand of everyone and then also just danny for not being socially aware and building enough uh of a of a social um web to to weather the storm if her name gets brought out and I, i'm i'm right in the middle i didn't hate it but 
it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the best showing. I was a little disappointed. I, I'm going to low buy it, but like, I agree with everything you said, but I, I, I'm so sad that Danny went. Like, I've been saying for about the last five years, if they ever did an all winner season, that Danny would win. So I've been on this Danny train for a long you're, time. You're personally, yeah, you're personally hurt by this one. Yeah. This so I'm, I'm cut. And like, this is the thing though, I've got a track record, Chris, of I've never correctly predicted US Survivor winner. So I have a very bad track record. So, um, I'm taking responsibility for Danny going home early, but, um, I still, I, I enjoyed, like, I, I, I found it so fascinating that Boston Rob was able to do that play at Tribal. Like, I, I don't think it maybe was, as, I'm with you, not the smartest move, but it just, the fact that he did it and everyone fell for it, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> it's just, and Tony's ladder to me <laughs> enough is enough to buy this episode. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about the Tony ladder. That, that, <laughs> hey, that may, that may change things for me. I may rent it for five days. Okay. I may rent it for a week yep. instead of 24 hours. There you go. All right. Just to rewatch that episode. <laughs> that scene, just that particular scene. Oh, the God. ladder literally spiraling while he's <laughs> suspended 18 feet he in the air. He gets on the first one, the first thing just like snaps straight away. And he's like, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. No, it's okay, guys. It's okay, guys. It's okay. I'm it's how I built it. It's supposed to be that way. So good. I knew it was. There's a booby trap for anyone else who wanted to use it. <laughs> I can't imagine what the producers were doing right then and there. Going, uh, uh, guys, we might need to get medical here quickly. Something's going to happen. Uh, just like climbing up this ladder. Producers are in the back talking to their bikes. Hey, he's on standby. Yep. Hey, Dr. John, standby. <laughs> Oh, so funny. Um, we get to solicit questions. So everyone who sent these in, thanks very much. As always, uh, hit us up on social media. You will see who we've got on each week and you can get these listener questions in. And as always, too, a lot of these have been answered in our chat here with Chris. So uh, we've covered a fair bit here. I've got a really interesting one here, actually. This is from Jesse Marshall sent to this on Instagram. Uh, it says, hi, Chris. Do you think the Survivor community would have reacted the same if in season 38... A popular returning player, say Kelly Wentworth, came back from Edge of Extinction and made the same moves you made to win. Oh, hands down, yeah. They, she would have she would have gone down as an absolute legend. I mean, she would have been one of the best players ever if she had won. Um, even even certain other players, if they had had a resume. Before, because mind you, returning players they don't have a resume from their season. They even have a resume from before the season begins. And so, if you can build that, there's already there's already a certain bias or a certain personality that that uh, that you love or you hate, and, and you remember that. And if they continue to prove you right, you're going to be even more satisfied. And it's like a confirmation bias. And I I think if any returning player, maybe not Joe, because I think Joe gets a lot of of uh, of hate for in terms of being a really good social play, really good physical player and a challenge beast, but not a social player. I think if a social player had come back from the edge and then won and did what I did, it would have been, I mean, it would have been completely, like I said, just completely legendary. I, I am one of those players that because, like I said, and I totally get it. You know, my blind side in episode three really created that bitter taste because like well he didn't really experience the game but a player that uh, has already had those those resume boosters from previous seasons and then to do what they had done in in on the island and on the edge the, it would have been a different story i mean i i don't 
Yeah, I, I think if a if if Aubrey or David or Kelly had won and gotten back into the game and then had won the game, it would have been, I mean, epic. Mm. Jesse adds also in saying that as well. Do you think that if it was to happen again this season, that it would also be received differently by fans? Um, I, I think it would be. I do think it would be received differently. Like I said, it it, it has to. Fans have to understand that the game is changing. The game is actually harder than it was. It's more complex than it was. And if you understand that the the social wherewithal and the aptitude of a player and the the handling things and being adaptive of of advantages that are outside of their control creates a more complicated and more interesting game, then I think it'll be better received. But if everyone just wants, you know, classic survivor and traditional blind sides and when someone goes home they're done, then yeah, I I think it'll receive the same it'll receive the same amount of flack where it's just not it's not worth it if someone's torch isn't snuffed for good. Um so that's that's my that's my take. Wesley asked a question. Uh, Chris Underwood, any winners not on Winners in War, not including yourself, of course, that you are surprised not to see? Do, 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 do. Let's see. Um, Aris. I thought Aris. Um, I'm surprised that he didn't uh, play. I'm surprised that Earl Cole didn't play. He he posted something on Facebook saying that uh, he you know he's been asked multiple times, but the timing's never been right. So and I get it, like I totally get it. Um, yeah, he definitely those two players. Um, let's see, Mike Holloway. Definitely thought Mike Holloway would have been out there. He's just you know he's just such an interesting character. Yes, <laughs> he's just a <laughs> funny guy. So. I was interested to to not to not see him that play, and then the originals. I mean, Tina and, and Richard Hatch. You know those those players, but who knows? Who knows why mm. they didn't get get asked? Yeah, but, yeah. We had Tina on last week, and she basically said she got the call, was sort of asked, and then they just didn't call her back again. So unfortunately, that was kind of the initial take, and then they just obviously went a different direction, and she she doesn't even know why. I'll tell you why. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those have been my three players. I think. There you go. All right. Thanks, Wesley, for that question. Miranda asks, uh, what is your favorite and least challenge from... Sorry, your favorite and least favorite challenge from any season of Survivor? Hmm. Favorite and least favorite challenge. Wow, that's a lot of challenges to think about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's start with the very first one and we'll work our way up. (laughs) (laughs) Seven hours later. Um yeah, I think that I golly, let me think through. I really liked the I really liked the 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 massive three-story challenges. Um one of some of my favorites were some of the ones they did in Cochrane season when he won where they built that huge three-layered jungle gym looking platform they had to go up and down and untie the 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 knots from and that one was pretty cool um i i would have to say my least my least favorite challenge is the it was the challenge when we had to lift that snake <laughs> out of that cage mm-hmm. uh, of all the seasons 
that was the worst. Because <laughs> that snake was so heavy. It was. It felt like half. Legitimately felt like half a ton wet. And knowing our tribe, I mean, we weren't the most athletic tribe. <laughs> Manu definitely struggled. Uh, I mean, the, you can go back and see that that whole clip. I mean, we didn't have the best players to lift that thousand pound snake over the cage <laughs> and uh, carry it through sand and and then have to throw rings thirty feet away. That was a tough challenge, and that was that one sucked. Like I hated it. <laughs> So personal for personal reasons, <laughs> the least favorite challenge in the history of Survivor was lifting that damn snake. <laughs> Valid answer, I think. I think we can understand where that one's coming from. Uh, thanks, Wesley, for that one. Here's an interesting one from Anna. If Joe and Aubrey swapped places with David and Kelly, do you think you would have tried to align with Joe and Aubrey on your tribe, given you spent time with them on Edge? And do you think it would have changed if they were on your original starting tribe from the start? Yes, for sure. That would have made a huge difference. Um, just because Joe, I mean, I, I, I was, I got along really great with Joe on the edge of extinction. I got a really along really well with Aubrey. Uh, I believe that we, I would have aligned with with Joe maybe in the same way that I would have aligned with with Wardog, but it would have been a more. I I just to my own mistake, I just didn't evaluate or assess the the strategic side of of Wardog. I mean, he was a really good player, and I mean, he or- orchestrated essentially orchestrated my entire blindside behind my back single handedly. And um, and he was one of the people that that I thought would would be a trustworthy player, and and I think that the the dynamics of him not having Kelly and him having Aubrey or him having Joe to keep around as a shield would have would have been a different. It just would have created a different dynamic, and so yeah, I, I it would have it would have changed the game uh, for sure being aligned with those two because I. I definitely have had more of a connection with with Aubrey and Joe than I did with with Kelly or David. Just out of the game, even now, you know, regardless of having the, spent the time on the edge of extinction. Speaking of Wardog, a uh, question here from Erica: What was your reaction to the famous Reem Wardog fight on Edge, having been there to witness it? <laughs> oh, I cannot tell you. I can't put into words how. <laughs> epic that night was because as all survivor fans know not that you know a 15 10 minute conversation doesn't make the air 10 minutes worth of it doesn't make the air and that thing was hilarious (laughs) especially knowing literally the day that i got to the edge of extinction reem had formulated what she was going to say when war dog stepped foot on the edge of extinction and she managed to she managed to wait and her plan execute her plan and same fact she had said she would from the day that she got voted out wow <laughs> so every single day she literally was like you know what i'm gonna tell war dog i'm gonna say listen up bro this is my island this is my spot Water's over there, oil's over here, I'm oil, you're water, 
go fuck yourself. Like, like literally, that's how it was for days. And then it got closer to it and got closer to it. And we're like, Ram, are you going to say that to War Dog? Are you really going to say that to War Dog? She's like, I don't know. I, maybe I should forgive him. It's been a long time uh, coming. You know, maybe I should forgive him. And then, and then, uh, and then Eric shows up. He's like. I really don't think you should say that. She's like, You're right. I'm gonna turn the other cheek, and then and then Morag walks onto the beach and just she blows up at him, and it was so funny, and everyone was just like, "Wow, this is entertainment for the rest of the week." Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, it was actually, yeah, it was actually me who ended up speaking up. I was just like, "Guys, chill out. Like, it is fine. Like, we are tired. We need to go to sleep." And uh, and we ended up we ended up passing out, and, and Eric was disappointed that Reem didn't heed his his words of peace. <laughs> but it, it it made for some incredible entertainment. Wow, jeez, you needed some popcorn there; would have made it perfect. <laughs> oh, we had coconut popcorn. We actually had popped it before he got there. We had made sure that we would have coconut popcorn for his arrival because something was fireworks were about to go off. <laughs> perfect. Um, Katie Silas asked a question: What was the first thing that you bought with your winnings? Um, I actually uh, paid off. Uh, I paid off all my my wife's student debt. My student debt. Uh, paid for paid off my mom's car, uh, paid off our car, and uh, and paid off uh, you know typically the the family traditionally the 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 um, parents of the bride you know cover a lot of the expenses but I was able to to take care of a ton of wedding expenses so yeah I mean I think just just setting us up um, for for personal success financial success we didn't really do anything crazy with it we just paid off our, our debts so it's very it's very very nice to not have um to worry about that being on our our, our credit or, or have to worry about that in the future um as we build our family out so yeah did you at least go to like one fancy restaurant maybe one place where you thought like oh we can never afford to eat there but now we can you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah when we moved to chicago uh right you know with a few weeks after we sold our house and moved to chicago and i took up work um in my solar my my solar position up in up in chicago and the food there is incredible i mean it it is it is like the food capital of America, and so we definitely, we definitely splurge not on like material things, but just on really, really good food at restaurants we would have never gone to because we just love food so much. So it was, yeah, we we spent uh, we spent a couple, you know, a couple thousand dollars there. <laughs> like I'm like surprisingly fast. They're like, man, you go to these nice restaurants, like holy cow, it's like $150, $200 a meal. You know, like for two of us, we had like three drinks. What the heck? So, but it was, it was well worth it. And, um, just being a, such a person of who, who loves getting just every bit out of life and not so much buying the fancy house and the nice car and, you know, all that stuff, like just experiences and, and food is a big way that we experience life. So I, I, uh, my wife and I loved, you know, love living in Chicago and just exploring the city and, and uh, eating some of the best food in the world. Courtside tickets for a Bulls game or, you know, rinkside tickets at a Blackhawks game or something like that, you know? <laughs> we tried to go. We tried to go to, to a game. Now, I'm also, I'm, I'm pretty frugal. Like, in my real life, I'm pretty frugal. Like, this is a hilarious story. We were on a road trip and um, 
and my wife was really she we got into a little bit of an argument because I <laughs> booked us a stay at La Quinta in in Suisse <laughs> and La Quinta's like a two star hotel and she comes out and she goes, I am pissed at you. I'm like, why? She's like, because I am not a two star wife. <laughs> I have at least a three-star wife. And I'm like, you know what? I'll take that. She's like, you won Survivor, and you can't even afford – we can't even take put us up in a comfort inn in suites. Like, we have to go to La Quinta. I'm like, I'm like reevaluating my life as a husband, myself as a husband. I'm like, God, she has a really good point. Like, I'm being totally way too frugal. But it's like, like the running joke now is like, this is like, sunny because we're you're a three-star wife. You're not a two-star wife. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. You said three-star. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I listened to you. I say I told you. I listened to you. <laughs> that's right. You wanted me to. You wanted me to hear what you're saying, not just listen to what yeah. you're saying and have it go in one ear out the other. So <laughs> exactly. I'm just. I'm following your orders. I'm following your orders. Uh, Mitch asked a question. It's a two-part question. Who was the biggest diva around camp on Edge of Extinction? The biggest diva. Oh, do do. That's a good question. I don't. <laughs> I think. I. I mean. I don't know because I thought for a while it was it was I when I first got there I thought it was going to be Keith. Um, because he just, you know, had never been out in nature. He'd never gone camping and the bugs and the rats and whatever else was there. Like he would have been really, he, he freaked out. He definitely freaked out a few times, but he was, he got pretty good at the, the, the outdoor lifestyle. Um, I, I don't, that's a really, that's a good question. I, I don't, I'd have to say no one. I, I really can't think of anyone because we, we were at such a low point. We were at such a low point, and then like all were all just in the suck of it because the edge of extinction really is terrible. And even this season, like we're looking and we're seeing they have hoodies and blankets, and we're like, oh, I call bullshit because that was so <laughs> unlike our experience. I mean, we literally had a ripped up sail. We had sail material that like a sailboat is used off of, and it's. Not it's not even comfortable. It's not bendable. It's just a sheet of pl- essentially plastic, and that was ripped up. And that was the only thing we had to actually sleep. And uh, everyone was just such a trooper for being able to to go through what we we went through out there. So I'd I would have to throw none of my I can't throw any of my castaways under the bus. There they all earned their 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 stripes out there on the edge of extinction. So. We were all hardened veterans of of the wild by the end of it. I don't know then if you're going to answer this part. Uh, Who was the most annoying that you would have been thrilled if they raised the flag on edge? Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, she knows this, and she would have said the same thing for me. So it's it's it was it was Reem because we we loved each other in moments, and we couldn't stand each other in moments. And there was there were times when we were like. You know, you're my, you remind me of like my mom, and I'm just so glad that we're out here. And you remind me of my son, and 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 this is, you know, we're gonna grow so close. And then there were times where she was like, 
beep, 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 beep. <laughs> she just dropped so many F-bombs on me. And I was just like, this woman is crazy. She was, it was so, it was so crazy. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd have to say that, uh, that in certain times it was Reem. And then in other times, you know, I, I couldn't think of any person that I preferred to raise the flag. Because the more people out there was was just made it a little more lively and that was a big part of staying sane on the edge was was having people to just chit chat with perfect thanks mitch for that question um a couple more here this is on june says uh just a statement here congratulations queen sandra making it to 100 days she's officially at 100 days and actually just an update too boston rob has officially uh moved into second place now on the Days played list, if I'm not mistaken. He's now played six days, which puts him only behind Aussie now. He's overtaken Sari. So uh, there you go. And Parvati is very close to overtaking Sari now as well. She's only one day behind Sari. So yeah, Rob now has officially played 123 days, only five more days to pass Aussie. So there's a little stat for you. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Lots and lots of ones there to to go through. Um, now, our co-host Colin, uh, who couldn't join us for this episode, <laughs> but he, he, he added a comment to me. He said, please pass this on to Chris. If you happen to receive any messages from his wife, please let her know that she's taken, that she's married. So just uh, <laughs> there's a slight chance that you might get some messages from a random woman from Winnipeg. Just, just let her know politely that <laughs> she's taken. I will, hey, you know, that that takes a lot, you know. So, from man to man, you have my word, okay? You have my word. If she slides into the DMs, I will kindly and politely let her know that I'm already married and a wonderful and waiting. Perfect. There you go, Colin. You're safe now. You're safe. Um, now, this is a, I'll, I'll close it You're out. You're safe, with, buddy. You're safe. This is a, a nice comment here. This is from Leah, and this is uh, not, not a question. It's just essentially a nice little comment, which I thought I'd close this out on. So bear with me here. There's a bit here. People get angry about your win, Chris, saying you don't deserve to win because you didn't play real Survivor for the most game. However, what is real Survivor? Each Survivor season has a gimmick. Survivor is characterized by its title. This season's title was Edge of Extinction. The Edge of Extinction was very much a real part of the game, and Chris played it well. You did the best you could with the cards you had, and it isn't your fault. I believe that people don't realize the greatness of your win because the show gave little screen time to you on Edge of Extinction. Your story wasn't told as well as Gavin's and Julie's because we didn't see content on the edge. That doesn't mean you didn't have a story, it just wasn't shown. Your story came full circle, you survived the Extinction Island, took down Devon's and made a strong case of the jury. A great winner for a season titled The Edge of Extinction. Wow. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's the every every survivor player will tell you that the experience you have on in Fiji needs to needs to be told to you need to tell you need to tell that story to yourself before you see it played out on television because the the things that you go through and the experiences that you have before you see it through a television screen and before you see it through the edits or the purple edits or the the blind sides or the backstabbing before any of that you need to internalize what you learned how you grew and what survivor did for you while you were there without all of the noise 
that distracts you or makes you forget or you have short-term memory uh, where you can only remember the events as they're told in the last episode that you watched. And for me, I, there is literally nothing to hang my hat on. Um, I mean, yeah, there's, I, I can hang, I can hang my hat on my season and the journey that I went through from going in, trying to play this, this legitimately perfect game being on the list of, of legends and, and wanting to, to earn my stripes out there to then get voted out and be humbled to like the greatest depths of humility and then have to sit there for 28 days with my thoughts and reevaluate my worldviews and really dig into what it means to be successful and who, who, who are people in my life that I really can't stop thinking about that when I go back to, I'm going to eventually marry, you know, like all of these things that you, they are not going to come across on a television screen. And so all the people that watch this show for entertainment won't really understand or ever understand how, how much people give and also receive from playing the game of Survivor. So for me, it really has been uh, an incredible journey, and there's nothing that really anyone can say or can take away from because I made a choice to write a journal out and, and, and rehash some of the events and some of the things that I felt right when I got off the island. And so that is my truth, not the edited, ultra-edited narrative storylines of each individual player and the edits that the season portrays, for me, my truth was what I brought back and wrote in my personal journal. And so no one can take that away from me. And so I think that's a big differentiator is the the ones that come f- back fulfilled from, from their experience on Survivor have done that. And the ones that are bitter or, or resentful or spiteful may be... They, their view and their perspective on, on their experience changed whenever it aired on television and it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. So that's just a word of advice for any future player if you're listening to this. It's not the edit, it's not the television show that, that makes the experience um, uh, life-changing. It is. It really is the the things you learn that you take home to yourself and you share with just you and your friends and your family and no one else. Those are the special moments that you get. That's a fantastic summary of it. And I think, yeah, that's, that's great advice for anybody going out there because you know, I remember growing up watching the show and you would have a first boot survive three days and they're going, this is a life changing experience. I loved every minute of it. And I'd be going, how you were out there for like three days. How does that work? But since doing the show and getting to meet and chat with you guys and learning about everything and the complexities with this game, which is much more than a TV show, it's definitely understandable. And I think it's, yeah, what you said there really does sum up why, why this game means so much to people, particularly, you know, the lucky 590 odd of you have played the game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's, it's so, it's so cool to, to see the, have the support from the survivor community and, and, um, you know, my wife and I were, were off on a, on a new adventure here and, and anyone listening, like, please, you know, follow our stories, follow our lives. My, my wife, you can find her at, at Kate Warner creations on Instagram. You can find me at under dot woods, under woods, under dot woods on, on Instagram. And, and we've got so much, you know, we have, we have so much support and so much love that uh, there's really nothing about the survivor experience that I've felt bitter about. It, it really has been a, a really cool uh, life 
story, you know, part of my life story. And, uh, and it's made, I've, I've made really good friends through it all. So I can't complain one bit. And that's what we like to hear, Chris. And it, and it really has been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the show because, you know, when we were sort of planning out our recaps for this season, thought like, let's let's shoot a couple of messages out to some of the newer guys we've maybe never had on the show. We'll see how we go. And was thrilled that you replied. And I really spent this whole week looking forward to, to chatting to you and hearing your experience and getting you to tell your story here. And I think that our listeners at the end of this have, have really uh, learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot from you and uh, appreciate your time, mate. And uh, we'll definitely have to get you back on again at some point, maybe on a boat in the, in the middle of the the caribbean or something along those lines that's right or like i said hey australian survivor yeah man if you're listening yes exactly let's do it <laughs> come on channel 10 get him quickly call him up before he's on a boat <laughs> just don't tell ah. his wife <laughs> that's right we'll keep it a secret yeah no, she's good now she's good now she's full circle she's come through and she's like all right play again yeah. you're ready now blood versus like, water right, she you know play with her there you go <laughs> <laughs> exactly A lot of fun chatting with Chris there. Learnt a lot and uh, appreciate the questions that were sent in, as we always do, and great to have Chris on this program. And I I definitely think I learned a lot there from Chris and uh, learned a little bit more about his win as well as his character and uh, sort of really great to hear that positive outlook from him considering a lot of the vitriol that he's no doubt received online since his victory uh, a little under 12 months ago on Survivor. But we will continue to cover Survivor Winners at War next week, Episode 3. We are hoping to get another former winner on the show. Nothing locked in just yet, but I will tease and say that if this does go ahead next week, It will be a winner that we have not had on in quite some time and uh, a winner that a lot of people are very upset is not on this season. Pretty much with all the winners, really. Uh, I guess everyone's upset about all the winners not being on. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned for this one. This is definitely a winner that we've had requested several times. And, again, it's been multiple years since we've had them on. But uh, nothing 100% just yet. If it doesn't happen next week, I'm sure it will happen some point during the season. But we are aiming to get them on for Episode 3. So watch this space. We will share with it on share it we share it with you on social media as soon as we know so uh, keep an eye out on that of course all your social media channels we're on subscribe all the good podcast channels and uh, keep up to that in the Oz network our australian survivor first recap episode of that was out during the week we were joined by des joan and matt a bit of a first boot super episode and um yeah if you haven't heard it already i highly recommend listening to the craziness that was that episode just to stay to the end you won't be disappointed of course we've got our canada v usa uh, canada v australia month we might have to do canada v usa month one year i'm not too sure uh boy town recap released during the week fun episode we've got men with brooms coming out for you next week so stay tuned as we uh review and recap some canadian and australian films we also have just dropped our spoiler-free reviews of Birds of Prey and Sonic the Hedgehog in the last week. Stay tuned for those. Total Drama Island is going along very well, too. I know we've got a lot of listeners to those and a lot of people enjoying us covering that show, so stay tuned for that. And just stay tuned to the Oz Network because we have plenty of entertaining episodes to keep you covered and lots more to come in the year that is 2020. Thanks once again to Chris. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Until we next speak again, my name is Ben. We'll speak to you next time on the Oz Network. Good night. Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. 
And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. 